Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And 4 p.m. on Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad we're uh, together today. I hope your day's been going well. I think it's going to be a wonderful show today. I'm excited to uh, get things going. Hopefully, we're going to be joined by Dr. Alex McFarland. He's my regular guest every couple of weeks, and I always look forward to hearing from him. One thing I learned about Alex is I I always like his tone. I always hope that I have that kind of gentle tone because... I always appreciate that about him. He's not always, not only is he really smart, but he just uh, has that very kind, gentle tone. So um, anyway, that's uh, how we're going to get things started, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. I'm excited about the Writers' Conference that's coming up this uh, starting tonight. So if you are part of that, I bet you're getting excited because that starts tonight, and it's going to run through tomorrow. And thank you for everyone who has uh, registered and participated and all the amazing things that are going on here at uh, Faith Radio. We're just so thrilled that more and more people are listening and engaging and sending podcast people, and uh, everyone um, is learning more. That's great. So uh, Alex is uh, now on our studio line. I'm awfully glad to have him. Dr. Alex McFarland is a writer and a teacher and an author and just kind of does it all. And is a regular guest. Alex, welcome. Well, hello, Bill. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know if your event at the Cove, is that happening this summer? It, it, thank you for asking. Yes, I start Monday. Oh, terrific. Um, doing Daniel and Revelation. And uh, I was on the phone two days ago with my friend Will Graham, who is the director of the Cove. And uh, they've had a lot of cancellations this year. It's just, you know, for conferences and events, the, the year has been pretty brutal, I suppose. But praise the Lord. Um, we have 111 people coming from all over America. Now, the the conference center could ordinarily hold just under 300 people, mm-hmm. but they're going to be socially distancing and nice. all that. But nice. yes, uh, I value everybody's prayers because uh, the Cove, and by the way, if you've never been, it's really, really awesome. Tony Evans was there like last week, and it really is one of the nation's just finest Christian conference centers, but I'll be doing Daniel Revelation for five days. So uh, that's a lot of talking, isn't it, Bill? It is. It's going to be wonderful. And, you know, when you come on, I always feel like I've got a, a friend on the line. And, in fact, you are. And Amen. I was uh, reading about how important best friends are. Um, there was a, a 19 uh, or a 2017 Gallup uh, student poll that found 70% of the nearly 800,000 students they polled agreed that they had a best friend at school. When you think of schools uh, resuming in the fall, how important it is to have uh, face-to-face interaction, to have community, and then to uh, journey along with those best friends as you go through life, because they are so important. Oh, they they are. You know, I, I think about the friends that the good Lord has given me along the journey, and, uh, you know, they they span the decades they really do and and that's just one of those dynamics that you you don't get on zoom or skype 
And and look, I, I know we're blessed with technology and we've got distance education and, you know, we can do virtual meetings and things like that. But, um, Bill, hey, I've got friends from my undergrad years that are still friends to this day and we've journeyed along life together for three decades. And I've got friends from grad school and seminary and then friends like you that God has put in our life over the course of ministry. And um, there's just something, of course, I'm old school. I mean, I still read books, book, <laughs> you know, a book book, you know, not just a screen. Right. And uh, as much as we all use technology, there's just something about being able to talk in person. And as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen each other, don't we? We do. And Alex, there's been throughout this pandemic so many people who might be tending towards the lonely side of life that realize wow, I don't get in my little routines and circles where I would uh, interact with people that I would consider friends. And there's been a lot of lonelier nights for people. And God really designed us to not only uh, grow in our faith in community, but to see smiles on faces and to uh, have, you know, uh, prayer time with people and just enjoy even getting together and laughing and just all the things that this pandemic has made it much more difficult to do. And when I think of kids returning to school in the fall, how important it is to have those opportunities to find that new best friend or to uh, see that best friend again and to make more friends. And um, how important it is that we um, that we get back to school. Yeah, exactly. It really is important uh, to get back to school. Um, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with um, a black pastor yesterday, but let me just say this, folks. Bill is right that uh, a lot of people have loneliness, and uh, too much solitude is a bad thing. And if if you're listening and you you really do feel lonely and you just kind of feel like there's nobody out there that cares, uh, God does care for you. And, Bill, I want to give a phone number. The Billy Graham Ministry has a, a, a number toll-free, no strings attached. They, they're they not asking for your money. They, they got no agenda here other than to give you some encouragement. But it's 888-388-2683. Uh, and I happen to know a lot of the, the trained volunteer prayer encouragers. And I was talking to Will Graham a couple of days ago, and he told me that um, I think just in the last few weeks, Something like seven thousand people have prayed to accept Christ. Wow! They, they've personally wow. talked to like a quarter million people mm-hmm. that just were lonely or afraid. So, friends, um, and listen, I believe me, I know these people. The Billy Graham Ministry—they are the best in the world. They are Bill, and I know they've—they had quite a presence in Minneapolis and St. Paul for a lot of years, didn't they? Well, their headquarters were here for forty years, maybe. Yeah, honestly, the greatest folks in the world. They, they care about you, and their number, their prayer line, if you just need a listening ear, anyway, it's 888-388-2683, but don't go through this uh, valley alone, and, you know, people sometimes turn to drugs or alcohol or or even worse, you know, harming themselves. Um, We need each other. Bill, uh, Josh McDell, I know you know Josh McDell. One of the greatest people in the world who, speaking of friends, um, I've had few friends in ministry as close and as significant in my life as Josh. But Josh had a thing from the Mayo Clinic 
this is a decade ago, and he gave me a copy of this study, and it was the title says it all. It was called Hardwired to Connect, The Case for Authoritative Communities, and it basically says we human beings were made for relationships, and relationships involve trust, honesty, and respect. But the Mayo Clinic study, and I think the, the Bible would have said this, you know, prior, 2,000 years earlier, but we were not made to go through this life alone. We were made for relationships, not only family relationships, but friendships. Mm-hmm. Again, Alex, I love that we're talking about this because there, there are enough people that um, will, will hear this and think, you know what, I need to reach out to so-and-so. Because yeah. I have a feeling that person might not be getting as many calls or contacts, and I bet a call or a contact would be helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, how long do we have to the break? Uh, we've got about two, two and a half minutes. Hey, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. So, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, is uh, you know a fairly sizable city. I guess a couple hundred thousand people. Well, on the outskirts of town is a. A pretty large church, and I just one day I wanted to preach there, uh, but I thought um, I'll probably never get to preach there. This really big church, but I was at a gathering and I met the guy. He was this new pastor, and he was pastoring this church. And so I said, "Wow, you know, it's good to meet you, um, and welcome to Greensboro. I'll be praying for you." So I wrote this guy a letter, and uh, I never heard anything back. But I wrote a letter and I said, "Hey, I drove past your church. I'm." praying for you, and uh, welcome to Greensboro. Well, it would be like every few months, it seemed like the Holy Spirit would prompt me to write this guy a little note of encouragement, which mm. I did. Well, it went on for several years, and, and I thought, that guy, he'll never call me. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, nobody. And anyway, so I get a call one day, and he says, I want to meet you for lunch. And, and I, this has been like five years. So I meet this guy at a restaurant, and he said, uh, you've been sending me a letter of encouragement, you know, every about three or four months for several years. And I said, yeah. And so he pulls them out. He had saved every single one of them. Wow. And he told me the story. He said, shortly after I came to the church, he said, I left a phenomenal situation, a great situation in another state. I come to this church. Turns out uh, they owe all this money for the parking lot getting paved. They, the, the church is deep in debt. It's just a bad situation. He said, I went out one Sunday night. I looked up at the sky. Oh, Lord, why did you let me go into this just train wreck of a situation? And he said, I was so depressed. And he said, it seemed like at the most critical time, Alex's postcard would arrive in the mail. <laughs> saying, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hang in there. God is using you. And he said, and as he's telling me this, he's about got emotional. He said, you have no idea. He said, I'm still in the ministry, still at my church. Your postcards sustained me till we got the church in a good place. And I just wanted to show you what your postcards meant, that little word of encouragement. And thank you, and please come preach. My point being, I'm not trying to talk about myself, but... Just that little word of encouragement might be the cool water to give somebody the strength to press on another day. Mm-hmm. Alex, when are little gestures or acts of kindness ever not wonderfully received by people? Oh, uh, they they always are received. Mm-hmm. Because 
I think every last one of us, we love an attaboy, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And when I get a, a letter or a note from a listener, and it, it comes in the mail, it's like it's amazing. You sat down and and a handwritten note, really? Yeah, it's so profound. And you know, one of the beautiful realities of the world, honestly, folks, if you uh, become an encourager, you're going to get encouraged, right? I mean, really, the Bible says if a man would have friends, he must show himself friendly. Listen, if you become a sower of joy, you're going to become joyful in your own spirit. I like that. It's wild how that works. Yeah. Alex, let me take a little break. When we come back, I'd like to talk more about what you just brought up, being being an encourager and and a sower of kindness. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back. back with Alex McFarland. So, Alex, right before the break, I was wanted to talk about encouragement. It's awfully important, uh, according to the Bible. I mean, I know there's a passage that says, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's Hebrews 3.13. And then 1 Thess 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing I mean, I think without encouragement, Alex, hardship becomes uh, very difficult, almost meaningless. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about the Christian worldview is that no pain is wasted, really. Mm -hmm. And a a biblical worldview, a a biblical way of looking at life says, look, you know, there is sin and there's problems and there's danger and, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, toxins in this world shall we say. But you know, the good thing about Christianity, number one, uh, our sins can be forgiven. Jesus will forgive the things we have done. He can heal and fix the things that have been done to us. And um, Bill, one of my verses that I love is Joel 2.25 that says, God restores the years the locust has eaten. Mm. And, um, you know, it's wild, like God can give us a do-over, you know, and even, and I've met a lot of people that have been abused and they've gone through just unspeakably hard things, and, and we don't minimize that, but there is just something about the, the pervasive touch of Christ's salvation. Sure, I mean, our sins are forgiven, and when we die, we'll go to heaven if you have a relationship with Christ, but not only heaven, you get a whole... Um, revamped, redeemed journey in this life as well. And isn't that a beautiful part of it? It is. And encouragement, if you receive it, it it actually makes it easier to live in in this fallen world. And you can um, much more easily, I think, love others if you've been encouraged. It's amazing how many people are beat down and they're so discouraged. And that's just so sad because a, a little word or an act of encouragement is... Uh, free of charge, doesn't cost Amen. anything. And it, like you sending notes to this pastor, you made a profound difference in his life. Well, and you know, I, I've got to be totally straight with you. There were a lot of times my heart wasn't right. Okay. <laughs> it, I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit was, get, you know, elbowing me and write a letter, 
and just tell that guy, you know, your labor in the Lord is not in vain, or in due season we will reap if we faint not, you know, Galatians 6, 9. And there were times that in my heart, hey, I'm just being totally straight with you, Bill, I was like, why do I have to write that guy a letter? He's never going to invite me to preach. I don't even know that guy. You know, he probably doesn't care. And there were times my attitude wasn't exactly what it should be. So when he's in this restaurant telling me how, you know, my little words of encouragement meant so much, in my heart I was like, uh, yeah, Lord, forgive me for not always having the right attitude. But but God, God is so good not only to minister to us, but to allow us to minister to others. So, hey, Bill, i got to tell you a conversation I had last night. Um, I was with a meeting of pastors um, in central North Carolina, and we got together for prayer and discussion. It was really great. And uh, there were a number of ethnicities represented. And I was talking to a couple of black pastors, and, um, you know, we can talk about love and harmony and racial reconciliation, and, and we should. And racism is wrong. Uh, you know, categorically we say racism is wrong. But this one pastor said something that really kind of pricked my heart. He said, look, um, he said, I don't think a lot of white people sit around hating blacks. He, he said, you know, hate takes a lot of energy. I mean, it's, it, it, it will drain you to, like, overtly, actively hate on something. He said, I doubt there's many or any white people sitting around, like, mustering up hate, hate, hate. He said, but here's what hurts to think that we don't matter. And he said, it's, it's painful to think of indifference. And this particular black pastor said to me, he said, you know, the, the rioting and smashing windows, that, that's wrong. He said, but try to understand that in a lot of cases, it has been the heart cry of generations of people who honestly believe not a soul in this world cares about them. Wow. And, and I, hey, look, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I believe in law and order, and I get it. And I know some of the Black Lives Matter uh, people they believe are op Marxist operatives brought in, and to the degree that it's been used as a moment of political opportunism, you know, I stand against that. But I, I have to tell you, my heart really kind of broke because, you know, in Psalm 142, it talks about, you know, David writes, no man cared for my soul. And I guess I came away from that meeting. I've been thinking about it for 24 hours now. There's nobody in this world that should feel like nobody cares about them. And we who are the church and individuals that know Jesus, let's be intentional to let the people that cross our path know that they matter. And maybe that's inviting somebody over for a meal or whatever. But And I'm preaching it myself here, Bill. But let's just, with God's help and for God's glory, let's make that extra effort to find people that we can reach out to and let them know that they matter to God and they matter to us. Mm -hmm. Alex, without encouragement, it's easy for people to feel unloved. Yeah, exactly. And if they feel unloved, they're going to question God. Is God concerned about my welfare? Does yeah. God care? 
Well, you know, uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, mm -hmm. uh, they made a movie about him some months back. And um, I've actually read a couple of biographies of Fred Rogers. And um, the movie they made, it, it, it was okay. There was a lot of kind of, I don't know, hypothetical stuff in it. Um, and I've read a couple of biographies. I, I think everybody knows Fred Rogers had gone to a theological school and was in the ministry for a while before he became the, um, you know, Mr. Rogers everybody knew and loved. And, you know, um, he was a Christian. Uh, he wasn't an overt, you know, preacher up on a soapbox like you might think, but he definitely did represent Christ. But this is one of the greatest quotes, and oh my goodness, I love quotes. But Fred <laughs> Rogers said this, and this is so true. He said, there's nobody you couldn't love if you only heard their story. Wow. And I've locked horns with a bunch of atheists. I've been to death row and a lot of prisons to preach. And look, there there, there are a lot of people that need, you know, a, a firm word, you know, repent, turn to God, and, and I get that. But honestly, Bill, I believe the the meanest dude on the block, deep inside his heart, wants to know that somebody loves him. Amen. You know, I think of Proverbs 16 and verse 24. It says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Amen. So you think of how important pleasant words are. And when you have interactions with people, you can ask yourself, are these pleasant words I'm saying? And will they be an encouragement to somebody? Because that's something that you can do in the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, Psalm 100, no, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, 1. Uh, um, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words store up anger. Remember, that's another, that was one of the first memory verses I learned in the Bible study group where I accepted Christ as a college kid. And, uh, hey, you know what? To, to learn to have our thoughts and our vocabulary um, under the control of the Lord uh, James has a lot to say about it, but the book of Proverbs. Yes. Don't you love the book of Proverbs? I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and you know what, folks? 31 chapters take you about 10 minutes a day. If you read a chapter of Proverbs, you'll read God's book of wisdom in a month. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, there are verses that jump off the page. I'm feeling like I'm reading them for the first time someday. Always. It's a, well, the whole Bible is just an inexhaustible gold mine of nuggets, mm -hmm. and Proverbs especially. I mean, talk about practicality. And Proverbs 1.7 says that uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, you know, I think all of us, we, we want to be wise. And so the first step toward wisdom is fearing God. James 1.5 says, if you ask God for wisdom, he'll abundantly give it. Isn't that cool? That's fantastic. So, Alex, I will be praying for your uh, your time at Billy Graham at the Cove, and the next time we talk, I'll want to report in triplicate. Well, I shall provide it. Okay. God bless you, God and bless thank you. you, Bill. Yeah, my pleasure. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can always head over to alexmcfarland.com learn more about Alex. We'll take a little break. When we come back, my friend uh, Fridays with Friends will be happening, and Steve Russo will be joining me.
It is time for Friday with Friends. It is Friday, and I do have friends, which I'm very grateful for. Steve Russo is my friend. He's an author, also is a radio TV host. He's also a former professional drummer and a host of the syndicated radio program, Real Answers. So I was just thinking of your work and the fact that you do so much work with kids and, and schools and all kinds of stuff. I thought, huh, I wonder what Steve is up to and what's going to oh. happen this fall. Well, you know, we're working on some ideas right now. Actually, um, what we've been doing uh, in the the recent past since this whole mess happened was, I mean, everything got canceled. You know, all of right. our events, everything. I'm so and everything sorry. basically has been canceled for the rest of the year as far as we know. But we started, you know, we have Utah Radio, which mm-hmm. is for kids. And we started um, a weekly show on Instagram Live on Wednesday nights. And we thought, let's give kids a place to come. I mean, this is nuts. You're locked up. You're with your family. You know, it's a, it's a crazy time. <laughs> and, you know, Just the way you put that, it's very funny. You're locked <laughs> up or you're with your family. <laughs> so we, um, the idea when we started was let's talk about, you know, the pain of what's happening and the yeah. loss. And, and then after a few weeks, we thought, you know, this is, we're tired of talking about this. They must be tired of hearing this. I mean, we're getting response and stuff. So we did a major switch and we thought, let's invite some of our higher profile, I'll use the word celeb friends, and let's just mix it up. We're not going to ignore COVID, but it won't be the main focus. And let's talk about making a difference. What can you do? How do you handle grief? How do you handle, you know, just kind of, um, we had a comedian on one night. Um, the show's a half hour long, and, mm-hmm. and um, we had him do like a little six, seven minute, you know, comedy thing. And then um, we talked about the importance of being able to laugh and um, have fun. And so, you know, it's it's just kind of been all over the map. Actors, actresses, uh, DJs, singer songwriters. Um, you know, we're going to have an author on here in the next few weeks and just really trying to, to say, look, here's a place you can go and you can talk and you can ask questions. And it's interesting for us because I don't know if you know much about Instagram Live. They they allow you an hour and then they cut you off, but then they leave your video program up for 24 and then it's gone. Oh. But they have Instagram TV and all of a sudden we're going, wait a minute, we're on Instagram TV um, which means it's, it's you know, view on demand. And we're going, wow, we must have crossed a threshold of audience or whatever. But um, we are the, the masters of multipurposing. So then we've been taking the audio and ripping that for our radio show, which is now uh, something happened somewhere. It's a God thing. We are now on iHeartRadio. Oh, fantastic. Um, and Spotify and Apple Music, blah, blah, blah. We've got listeners in 110 countries. And then we thought, we've got interns from Biola University working with us. And they said, why don't we why don't we do something else with the content from the video content? So now we are, we're editing that down to a little bit shorter thing, and we're calling it one-on-one with Utah, and it's going on YouTube. So we are just trying to get every place we can where kids are. And then in answer to your question about schools, I'm talking to people now to say, can it's it's kind of it's do we do something? Do we not? Do we do something? You know, because everything is so much up in the air. But we're looking at trying to do something virtually, like do an assembly that nice. we can make available to you know students. And then I'm toying around with the idea maybe we should do something for parents too. Yeah. So Steve, I'm real curious about you know the getting the kids and they're, they're coming forward with what's on their hearts and minds. What, 
you know, you talk about them being uh, stuck at home and and out of their their rhythm of their all their friends and their school and their community and everything else, all their activities. So, what's what kind of questions are they coming up with? What's what's on their hearts? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's across the board. It's like, how in the world do I handle my housemates? You know, was is the phrase to use? <laughs> yeah. You know, how do I get along with them? How do I handle grief? Some of them have lost, um, you know, family members. Oh, of course. Actually, you know, one of my co-hosts actually got the virus. She's on the other side of it now. But, um, you know, so she can speak kind of to that. Uh, so there's the grief thing. We did something recently on grief, and, and kids are coming back going, thank you for talking about this, you know. We also have talked, not not in the last few weeks, but we did uh, some stuff on the protests. We actually, huh. I went actually down to a... Um, protest a few blocks away from our office and interestingly enough it was mainly young adults i'd say 97 percent young adults and teens which is perfect but bill i'm telling you i was horrified what i experienced and what i heard we actually interviewed four kids um and i went to the the riot police you know when i first got there and have my little official Utah badge, and they said, hey, you can do whatever you want to do, but you just got to understand, this thing goes south. We can't guarantee your safety. Right. And it was interesting because I have never heard such vile language, such um, – it's it would be an interesting topic, you know, to, to discuss sometime. I could even get you the uh, the interviews that we did. They're real short, but we interv- I interviewed four um, – you know, four students that were there, a white guy um, who just was out there saying, you know, cops, they're pigs. All they do is hunt down and they kill blacks. They kill blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, where are you getting your information? But then, you know, my whole thing was not to try to talk. I got criticized because I didn't share the gospel. I wasn't there to share the gospel. I was there to learn and to listen um, because I think we do too much talking from a distance. And I wanted to be on ground zero, you know. And like this kid says to me, hey, man, mad love for what you're doing. Mad, you know, you're listening to us. And I thought, yeah, I gotta, we got to find a way to really reach you guys. Um, I went up to another couple who were Hispanic, and there was a white couple standing next to him. And I, to the, the guy in the galley, said, hey, you know, this is who I am. I, I want to know why are you here? Why is it important? And what can we do to be the change? And this other couple started screaming the Antifa, you know, thing. You can't trust him. You can't trust him. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And this other couple kind of put their heads down. I said, it's okay, guys. I said, I get it. And I looked at the couple screaming at me. I said, you guys don't even know me. We know we can't trust you. And I guess it it was their mind. I was the press. Oh, okay. So then I interviewed a a little black gal, and um, she was pretty articulate, very ill-informed. All of them are ill-informed. They're being manipulated by social media. And uh, she ended up saying something kind of in passing like, uh, you know, I I think it has something to do with the heart. Because I kept asking them, what can we do to be the change? You guys want, because we hear this a lot from kids. What can we do to change? What can we do? We want to change this. We want to change this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, the answers are um, give money to Black Lives Matter and vote. Well, great if you're old enough to vote, but what are you going to do personally? They have no answers. And then I ended up speaking to the um, main speaker, if you will have it, who was a a black guy, um, young adult, and again, just 
vile, horrible language. I mean, going up to the riot police and basically sticking his finger on the shield, you know, on their hmm. face, going, you MF and pigs, all you do is roam neighborhoods and shoot and kill black people. And and um, then the, the placard signs were vile. But this guy was a professional. He was brought in there. Um, you and I are communicators, so you know when you see somebody that's scripted. Oh, totally. And and this guy was totally scripted. Bow down here, stand here, chant right. this, blah, 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 blah. You know, and uh, he was saying things like, the cops today are direct descendants of the slave traders from 400 years ago. Well, the truth huh? of the matter is, blacks were selling blacks, you know, blacks on the continent right. were selling the slaves. Well, we don't want to talk about that. And, I mean, he was just going off and... Um, it was making me sick, but I thought, no, stay, stay on course, stay on course. Hmm. You're here to learn. And so I went up to him afterwards. He got down, and I'm looking at the way he's dressed, and he was talking about how he's been oppressed. He and his people have been oppressed for almost 500 years and on and on and on. I said, hey, dude, where are you from? Oh, I'm a student at uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills. Well, that's 55 miles away. And um, my mom owns a media company, and, and I had to bite my tongue. I'm going, yeah, you're real oppressed, aren't you, Baba? <laughs> and I thought you were paid to be here because wow. you're too scripted. You're too. And he says, I go around speaking at these. And I thought, yeah, okay, I get it. But he was a totally different person. Like somebody had turned a switch, but he had no answers. You know, full Black Lives Matter, obviously, and everything mm -hmm. else. And I looked at him. I said, Preston, I said, what happens if I cut my arm and you cut your arm? Both bleed. I said, we both bleed. And I said, we bleed the same color, man. Mm -hmm. And he goes, wow. But again, he had no answers. So we've been talking about that a lot, you know, and uh, we actually got a, uh, I got a buddy who's a cop in Minneapolis, St. Paul, black cop, and we had him on the show and uh, our show, and he had to do a disclaimer, but, you know, it's like we have no clue what's really going on, you know, in, in these situations. So that's what we're trying to, we're trying to be ground zero, super yeah. relevant, right there where kids are. You know, um, we're hearing more recently now, I'm going to miss going to school. I miss my labs, which is kind of interesting. You know, um, I, I social media isn't the same as much as they're so locked into it. That I think they're suddenly realizing that the face-to-face -face contact is, is more important than they thought. Yeah. So, Steve, uh, where do you think this incubating anger is coming from? Um, it seems it's unbelievably unbelievably pent up yeah it I, I think a couple things one is i really believe the more i interact with students and keep my mouth shut and just listen which i think is huge we need to do they are tired of the way things are and they want to change things but they don't know what needs to be changed and how to change things so they're being manipulated by social media. Um, I, people don't like when I say this, but kids are leaving the church in droves. The research is there. Um, they're just gone, you know, and they, they're not finding any answers there. You know, it's, it's like, tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. And my opinion is we've made worship music an idol, and kids are going, okay, that's fine, but but I want to do something. I want to know that I matter. You know, we started using the phrase with our ministry that um, we do what we do to help young adults understand they matter to God. You know, they want to do something that matters. They want to do something that really counts. 
they want to see change, but they're so ill-informed, you know, historically. Um, they don't they don't really understand it. Um, I think they're frustrated in their families. It's it's like I I gotta know that I matter, and I'm angry. I'm ticked off because nobody's given me answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, and I want to make a change. What I don't I don't like what's happening out there. It's funny we even had Black Lives Matter uh, on our Instagram show. You can make comments, you know, with us back and forth and stuff, but not unless we invite you on. And we have invited some students on, and it's been kind of fun. Um, you can't, nobody can hear your comments. And Black Lives Matter mattered wanted to uh, be on the show, and we refused. Interesting. Because we're just opening up Pandora's box at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they haven't come back to criticize us because we're not criticizing them at all. Um, yes. you know, it, we're staying away from it. I think it's wisdom because we don't want to shut the door with anybody. Mm-hmm. I love your yeah. attitude, Steve. So um, it's it's not an easy walk to, you know, pathway to go down. But kids are just, I think they've just had it. They've had enough. And it's like, give me something that means something to me. That that uh, and, and they see in their mind that they're changing things by going to a protest, which they really aren't. Of course not. You know, it, it's uh, and and they don't see that, and it's a, it's not the same as it was, you know, back in the '60s, and um, you know, I mean, it's it's funny if you really look at history. I didn't realize this till recently. Uh, I happen to be Italian, and uh, a buddy of mine who I used to play in a band with is also Italian, and found some research. And do you know the the number one ethnic group that was lynched in history were blacks. You know who the number two is? Italians. Really? Yes. Huh. Yes. It's which I didn't realize. I mean, I knew my when my family came over from the old country that they were. It wasn't a real fun experience. Um, we could all start talking. You know, I mean, there's a lot more to talk about. So it's they're so ill-informed. So th- that is spewing up their anger. Mm-hmm. And and I think they're angry about being angry because they're angry with being angry. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, it, it, and, and it's like we've got to stand in the gap, you know, and do something, but it starts by listening. Yeah. You know, and we've been talking a lot about um, treating others the way you want to be treated, and it's almost like a an aha experience. It's like, huh? Well, do, do you, would you like to be treated this Well, no, then... Why are you treating people this way? Well, this would be a good time to take a break. Steve Russo is my guest. Friday with Friends. We're going to have a lot more Friday with Friends, even coming up in the second hour. Carrie Humphreys will be joining me. It's all ahead. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Steve Russo is my guest. You know, I have this theory. It seems like you could cut your anger in half by not being so angry about how angry you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, it, it just cut it in half. Just just take a chill pill, you know? Right. And, and, yeah. Um, I, I was criticized because uh, for a long time I said I was colorblind. Huh. Like my buddy in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, who's the cop, um, he also is a, uh, a weightlifter and stuff. In fact, he is, holds gold medals from the International Police and, and Fire Games. 
Wow. And so he does stuff with us, with our ministry. He does schools and events and everything else. And we were doing a, an event several years ago out here working one, and I had these pastors, you know, say, man, we're just so proud of you for having a racially integrated team. Hmm. I go, I'm looking at him going, what are you talking about? Well, Black Gerald. Hmm. Well, I don't call him Black Gerald. Gerald's my brother. I'm closer to Gerald than I am to my own brother. I mean, it, it's like I, yeah. I, I don't look at people like that. Yeah, I just, you know, and I had I had pastors criticizing me. And then, then my own pastor, Rick Warren, was doing a message uh, a month or so ago, and he said, you know, we're really color-blessed. And I thought, okay, thanks, Rick. <laughs> you know, I'm going to steal that phrase from you. Because um, it... By colorblind, it, I wasn't ignoring culture. I, I mean, goodness gracious, I've been in 29 countries. I love culture. I love different foods. I love learning about it. What I was saying is I don't look at somebody by the color of their skin. They're just who they are, you yeah. know? Gerald is a brother in Christ you you do ministry with. Period. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. it, it just, it's, he's been in my home umpteen times. I mean, you know, it, it, we don't even, you know, I, I don't even think in those terms. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. I had got a, a good buddy who's a, a, a chief in uh, the Cree Indian Nation in northern Quebec. You know, um, I, I don't call him Indian Reg. <laughs> of course I mean, not. Of course you know, not. It, it's, to me, it's just silliness, but it's, I, I don't understand why the church is making that, you know, thing. And, and I guess another thing for us is, I, I don't know about where you are, but here anyway, I'm so tired, and sorry I'm on my soapbox, I'm so tired of pastors complaining about we can't have church, we can't have church, and Constitution. Nobody's saying you can't worship God. Yeah, we have a knucklehead for a a governor, and he's doing... But, you know, I look at my own church, and it's killer. I mean, they they are the number one provider for food, for homeless and people out of work and everything else in Orange County, number two in all of Southern California. Hmm. And then people say, well, they, that's Saddleback, and they have, well, what can you do in your neighborhood? And that's where God really convicted me, and I thought, Steve, start, stop bellyaching because you're not going to be able to do school assemblies. What can you do? What, let's, let's do what we can do and, and say, God, help us, you know? So I, I'm hoping we can put something together where we can do a, a really first-class video production that we can make available to schools and to, you know, whoever wants to use it and, and – to me, it's like, let's take advantage of this. God is saying, okay, you know, what are you going to do? Stand up and do something. That's a powerful message, Steve, because everyone listening right now can ask that of themselves. What am I going to do? Yeah. What can I do? What can I do? I think we need to focus on what we can do. I want to tap into your brain a little bit here more about how to listen well, because when we see all of this chaos around us, it seems like uh, us mature Christian adults want to show up and tell them what to do and <laughs> what to think. But you say the key is listening to them, and how how can we better listen to people who are in stress and distressed? I think when when you when it comes down to it, let somebody talk first. Let them, and they may say something you don't agree with. Uh, they may say something that you that horrifies you. Um, it's like you know, like saying to your face, "Don't fail me now, face. Just look." <laughs> You know, just, you know what I mean? It's just, just look at them and let them talk. And I mean, like when I was listening to, to uh, some of the, the kids, you know, at the protest, and, and it's, I just, in, inside I'm shaking my head going, you are so misled. You are so misinformed. You're being manipulated by social media. But I want to listen because 
um, what you're doing is you're you're listening. If you listen and let them kind of talk, then you have a chance to get into their heart. Listen to the questioner. Don't you be the questioner? And that Ravi Zacharias was that's something that he taught me is listen to the questioner. Yeah, and if you let someone just tell their story, they will take you right to the front door of their heart, won't they? They will, absolutely. It, it, and sometimes what I have found, when I, when I let them talk, you almost see that expression on their face where they go, they don't say it necessarily, but you see the expression, I don't, I don't even know what I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't, I don't, I'm not even, what I just said, I'm not really buying into. I, I, I thought that was the answer, but it really isn't. And, and that, we can't, it's a heart issue, you know. It's a Jeremiah heart issue. We've got to get to the heart. And the other thing that we forget is by listening to somebody talk about themselves, they almost feel obligated to let you talk. Mm -hmm. And I think it's uh, it's the old Socratic mentality, too, which um, I learned a while back is answer a question with a question. Get them to think. Mm-hmm. Get them to, you know, it, do more than hear. Um, listening is hearing with careful attention. Yeah, so so wise. I love that. I'm going to be chewing on that all weekend. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's it certainly isn't original. I mean, I've I've learned it from different sources and mentors, and right. But but also, I know for me, I I don't like it. I tried an experiment one time several years ago at church, because I don't think churchgoers are very good listeners. And somebody came up to me, you know, uh, outside the building and said, hey, Russo, how's it going? What's new? And I said, oh, gosh, I I found out I have terminal cancer. I have six months to live. Oh, praise Jesus. That's the best news I've heard all weekend. Thanks. And they walked away. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I went up to that person afterwards. I said, hey, dude. Remember you? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but that great, 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 great news. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And I said, well, I told you I had terminal cancer and I had six months to live. And the guy dropped his jaw. And that really convicted me. I thought, let's start listening. And, and listen, you know, I've been on some, some radio shows before, other shows, where there's been pastors and, like, people can call in and ask a question or whatever. And it's like the, the last breath of the last syllable the person, you know, who was just speaking, who asked the question, this pastor just fires off Bible bullets. Right. And I thought, you didn't listen. You didn't listen. And, you know, there's always a great follow-up question. It's like, hey, um, you know, why are you here and everything else? Uh, How did you come to this conclusion? Or, you know, I hate whatever. Interesting. Mm -hmm. How, How did you come to that conclusion? Well, Steve, it seems like the best stories come when you begin with listening. It, Bill, they really do. Yeah, it's, what a great I reminder. Can, I, I can't, you know, encourage, you know, our listeners enough to just listen. Parents, especially of teens and young adults, listen. They will say some of the most intergalactic, magical, <laughs> weird stuff 
stuff. Yeah. You know, it's it's well, I might have used this story before when when I had the privilege of, of being on your show. But in school assemblies, you know, I, I have kids coming up to me afterwards, sometimes teachers and, and administrators as well. I'll never forget one little girl in Ohio came up and, and she goes, why do you hate teenage girls with babies so much? <laughs> I said, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I say? And I said, I'm thinking, I can't defend myself. So the question is, do you have a child? She goes, uh-huh. Mm. I have a 15-month-old little boy. I said, wow, that's great. And I said, you know, you've really made some some good choices, haven't you? Because, I mean, the typical one is you, dumb little, you know, she was 16, right. what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you may... I have, and I said, well, yeah. I said, you kept your baby, and she smiled, uh-huh. And I said, you stayed in school, uh-huh. I said, I'm I'm really proud of you. That's really good. And she smiled, and I said, uh, what what's the future hold for you? And she goes, oh, she goes, um, I'm getting help from my family to take care of my little boy. And she goes, when I graduate, I want to become a paramedic because I want to, I, I really want to take care of him and me well, and I want to, I want to get my life in order and everything else. I said, man, that's great. You've really thought this through. This is awesome. I said, stay on that track. And then she smiled and she goes, hey, Russo. I go, what? She goes, you really mean what you say? I said, what's that? And she goes, you started off your whole presentation by saying you really love us and care about us. Thanks. And she walks away. <laughs> oh, Steve, that's just a wonderful story. I so appreciate uh, you taking the time to be at, uh, with me on the show today. Well, it's always a privilege. I always enjoy, Bill, when I get, get the uh, contact from from you and yeah. from Rebecca. It's like, hey, I, I'll make time for my friend because it's always pre- fun. appreciate you, Steve. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you hopefully soon. All right. Sounds All right. good. Thanks. Yep. You bet. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.